Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. We're coming to you over EW10 Radio. We're broadcasting from the studios at the Coming Home Network International in Central Ohio. It's a pleasure to be with you to take this time to look into the Word of God, to discern His call in our lives, how we're drawn closer and closer and closer to Him. The uh, the guest for today's program, Sheila Logminas, has chosen a passage for us to look at that I, I love. It's not your usual passage you think of when uh, when you're looking for a verse you never saw, but it, it, it it's a great one, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have Sheila join us. I, I feel humbled because Sheila is far more involved with uh, journalism and uh, writing and radio than I will ever be. She's uh, very recognized for her skills and for um, her insight. And if you go to deepinscripture.com, the website associated with our program, you'll see her bio. Let me just uh, pick a few things from her bio to uh, to help you understand a little bit more about uh, Sheila. She um, is an Emmy Award-winning journalist with extensive experience in both the secular and religious journalism. Her writing and broadcasting cover matters of faith, culture, politics, and the media. So she's written, <clears throat> excuse me, for uh, lots of different publications and uh, had a number of programs on radio. Right now, she uh, hosts, uh, I think, a few programs on both Relevant Radio as well as Ave Maria Radio. Uh, she is busy. She has a blog, maybe a couple of blogs. Um, and I would love to have you uh, check her writing out because uh, I recommend her insight. She has, um, let's see, we have a link on our website now to her, her blog if you want to... Uh, find out about her writing her <clears throat> uh, let's see she's uh, there we go at Sheila reports.com s h e i l a reports.com if you link click on that link you'll get to her regular blog but she'll join us in a moment uh, and she'll talk more about that because uh, as I said it's a great pleasure to, uh, to have her on Deep in Scripture she of course was on the Journey Home program if you'd like to know more about her own journey into the Catholic Church you can go to Deep uh, EWTN Radio website and download at least the audio from our old program in which we uh, uh, interviewed her on Journey Home she's chosen for this text uh, Luke 9, 61 through 62. And we'll talk about this in a moment, but I believe that this touches every one of our lives, whether we know it or not. From the moment you allow yourself to be drawn by grace towards God, the moment you start turning in God's direction, there is a resistance to pull you back. That's life. That's the spiritual walk. A lot of what we receive through the church, the graces that we receive through the sacraments, as well as the teaching, the preaching, uh, the doctrines, the devotions, sacramentals, all of these are to help draw our mind and heart 
in the direction of God. At the same time, there is the resistance, in other words, the battle, the spiritual battle, to pull us in the other direction. To a good extent, maybe a large proportion of the world are oblivious to this spiritual battle. And when that's the case, then the devil laughs, because if as long as the world is oblivious to the battle, then the enemy can do all that he wants. But if we become aware of the spiritual battle, it doesn't take it away. It just helps us focus on what we need to do by grace to continue turning in God's direction. In our entire life is this turning. The word for conversion in Scripture is a word called metanoia, when we should turn in his direction. We can turn backwards. We can keep going forwards. And maybe that's a day-by-day checking of our, of our uh, trajectory. If you want to think about a space shuttle, they're always, when, when they're shooting that space shuttle into space or the old Apollo uh, moonshots, every once in a while they had to recheck their trajectory. Well, we need to do the same. And the scriptures that Sheila has chosen for today, I think, deal with this, particularly, we'll hear in a moment, her own reasons for choosing these, as well as her own insights. So let me read these passages. We'll take a break, and then Sheila will join us in just a moment. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 61 and 62. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, and this is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Next time on The Journey Home, Join Marcus when he welcomes former Presbyterian Dr. David Anders to the show. Find out what convinced him to leave his faith tradition and make the journey home to the Catholic Church. That's on the next Journey Home, only on EWTN. The Journey Home is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow Him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. We're joined today by Sheila Logminas. Sheila, before I bring you on, though, I realize I didn't mention to the audience that uh, we want their phone calls. We want their questions. If they would love to give us a call, we would appreciate that. Uh, The phone numbers are 800-664-5110. 
Or you can call the regular Coming Home Network International phone number 740-450-1175. Or you can send me an email at marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, at deepinscripture.com. Hello, Sheila. How are you? Oh, Marcus. Um, hello. I'm fine, thank you. And I'm so <laughs> grateful to have this time with you and your listeners because I so highly esteem this entire network and all the work you do. I just uh, I love the work you do, and I admire it so highly. So I'm honored. Thank you for having me on well, today. Well, I appreciate that. I'm also honored that you would join me. And uh, as I reread through your bio, I realized how much you have, the Lord has used you in the media. And uh, that's both a great opportunity and gift as well as a big responsibility, isn't it? You know, it is. That's just it. With great uh, a platform or, or visibility comes great responsibility. John Paul II wrote, as Benedict has, a lot about social communication, but John Paul just kind of nailed it in the line, social communication or communication is a moral act. And then, of course, they went on to spell out for professionals who work in that field, we have a great responsibility in, in helping form consciences and minds, and, and, and we speak to the world. So, yes, it's a great responsibility. And it is important you mentioned John Paul, because I, I do believe, and I think you probably would agree, that he always sensed that, that he knew that whenever he was in the public, he knew without a question that he, he represented the Lord Jesus to the world. Uh, and the way he spoke, the way uh, you know he would even present himself, he recognized that as the Holy Father, that he, in a unique way, represented Jesus. But then he also, in all his writings, reminded you and me that whatever we do, we are the same. We are the face of Christ to someone. In fact, he very much did that, Marcus, in every way and in so many of his writings. And then it reminds me of Benedict carrying that message on then to remind (laughs) us that sometimes we will be the only, as you just said, the only face of Christ some people will ever see. And the importance of not only how we present uh, ourselves but in, in speaking, but in every word and communications that we use, you know, we are to carry, you know, the gospel, whether it's overtly that we're talking about the gospel, or sort of covertly in just every social communications message. So, yeah, John yeah. Paul did, and they called him, I don't know, rightly or wrongly, but they called John Paul the Pope of, of, the, t- of t- the TV and the airwaves, and they call Benedict the Pope of the Internet. But the important <laughs> thing to us, Marcus, as we use social communications to reach people with the message of gospel truth is that what they're doing is they're using every means possible, as we know St. Paul would if he were here today. That's right. That's right. In fact, I just clicked on your blog that I mentioned to the audience, SheilaReports.com. And you and I talked about this a little bit before we got on, but before we get into the scripture, this goes along with what we're saying, I think. And uh, when you link to that, it goes to MercatorNet.com. And if you would, talk to the audience a bit about, you've got a blog on not an obvious Catholic site. Right. Talk about the significance. I think that's the beauty of that voice that you have there. See, that that's why I've worked with them for a few years and now was so honored when they asked me if they could host my, my blog on their site. Because MercatorNet... 
um, in that world out there, I mean, I like The Economist, you know, and, yep. and Wall Street Journal and certain other publications that I think do a good job with the news. But MercatorNet is my favorite online general news source in, in terms of not the, you know, the breaking headlines of the moment, but taking very much the news of the day across the spectrum of, you know, politics, culture, um, uh, bioethics very much, you know, demographic things around the world that are going on with re-engineering the family. That's on their homepage right now. They cover the spectrum, but, but like they like to say, as they like to say, it's not from a, from a political view. They, they say, don't, don't look for us for labels here. If you want to use labels, they say not left, not right, not liberal, not conservative. They say if you mu- must use labels, try dignitarian. And that's what I love about MercatorNet, because it, 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 it talks to the world in the world's terms today, but in the world's terms grounded in ultimate human dignity that is at the center of every news story of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's all about human dignity. Everything MercatorNet does is about human dignity. So to be a blogger hosting the blog on their site, I thought it was such an honor, because the people <laughs> around the world who read MercatorNet, and they do read from around the world, um, are reading Articles grounded in the dignity of the human person. It, again, the the amazing time that we live, and yeah. you know, we have at the one hand almost unlimited potential uh, to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy. In other words, a time when the uh, when the word of the Lord will cover the the world like the oceans cover the you know the sea i forget i should i should have looked that up first before i tried to quote it but this idea that there will come a time when the world will know when the when the message will get out where the truth will get out about human dignity from the perspective of how god looks at humanity on the one hand we have this great potential but the battles also there uh, you know I, what, what gets me is i can't turn on my computer every morning with my email and my uh, a spam has already weeded out a hundred just crazy, goofy, immoral emails that have come my way. Mm-hmm. And we fight a battle. On the one hand, there's the good. On the one hand, there's the bad. And there are Catholics that, that want to say, we shouldn't be touching the internet. But like you said, our Holy Father recognizes the potential because we're talking about souls the souls of people there are people in this world who their only information they want to go to is the internet and so Mm -hmm. we need to use the internet to reach these people oh absolutely in fact that's why the vatican not only has vatican.va i mean uh, all i think it's vatican.va all of their all of the encyclicals all of the uh, wednesday audiences everything can be found on vatican.va but but as you and i know marcus they have increasingly uh, added new ways of engaging all of these new technologies the vatican has yep, yep. because of that very reason to catch all those people out there those souls that are on the internet under pope benedict alone he first added on uh, his own like YouTube site, 
And then, <laughs> then the Pontifical Council for Communications got involved and added H2O News. They're behind that, which is, you know, got videos and audios and news. And, and so, there, it, yes, to turn on, be out there in the public arena of ideas where, you know, as you say, the enemy is actively prowling like a lion, you know, to, like to devour souls. That's where we need to be, just as St. Paul would be if he were here today. He would be blogging. He would be on Twitter, I believe, on Facebook. Why? Because he would be trying to reach people where they are. And so we need to present the alternative message, the giving people an option. Real quick, it just reminds me that yep. Bishop Herman last year on, in the Mass for Life said, what a glorious time it is to be a Catholic. This was right after the elections of 08, and a lot of pro-life causes, it took a being. Yep. And yet he said, what a glorious opportunity we have right now to give the world such a clear choice. Right. And that's why we want to engage the social communications media where people are. Well, you and I could wax eloquently for a long time on this, which is, uh, I I think, important, though, because anyone listening to us is either listening over radio or the Internet. In fact, this is being broadcast live on the Internet. So we are indeed using this for the glory of God. And and as you mentioned before the, the program, we were talking briefly, you know, if you and I do anything good on radio, it's by the grace of God. And we thank God for that. But right now, let's think about anyone that might be listening to us. We we do pray that anyone listening is seeking to grow closer to God. And I we ask you to choose a verse for our discussion, and you choose Luke, Luke 9, 61 through 62. Why that verse? You know, Marcus, when, when Scott got in touch with me, someone on your staff, yep. uh, with the invitation and told me what this is about and choose one verse, there was no second thought. There's no pause. <laughs> it just popped right into my head because it is the one that pops to mind and then others start to follow after that yep. because there are stories behind many things. But why that? That had to be the one and I knew it immediately. Because, you know, as I told the story on your EWTN television program, The Journey Home, my conversion was a reversion, cradle Catholic, never left the church and always thought of myself as a, as a Catholic, but didn't realize what a not good Catholic I was for a long time. Yeah. And, and, and so, of course, I had a conversion experience several years ago, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And when I did, it was a pretty much head over heels, you know, not a bolt of lightning, but something close to that. So that, in that period of time, when I was just like devouring as much great Catholic reading documents, teaching, encyclicals, everything that I could, EWTN I was tuned into all the time, so on. At that time, I was going to daily Mass. And one morning, daily, maybe it might have been eight people at the one I was at, <laughs> and, um, and yet we were the same eight people every day. And when that morning, you know, Scripture in the Mass... I heard it like a bolt, and I heard it as, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And Marcus, that struck, you know, convicted mm-hmm. my soul like a, like a sword. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, wow. Why? Because uh, up to that point, I had been, well, I had been for 20 years with Time Magazine. I'd been in secular media and in the secular world, very, very much in the secular world, just out there, and, and, and not all of my, like I say, 
maybe um, views or representations or whatever behaviors were certainly not they, not all of them were mirroring Catholic teachings and Catholic faith uh, or even Christian sometime I guess I, I look back and think oh my gosh what a sinner and then when I heard that <laughs> I thought up until hearing that well I can sort of stealthily go off and go in this new direction because I was to that point but when I heard that I thought no you can't Go, like, cover your tracks in the past so that nobody who knew you before now knows you're going to try to be this really good Catholic and Christian. <laughs> it's that you don't look that you, you, you're going forward. Your yeah. hand is on the plow now, and you can only go forward. You can't go back and kind of cover your trail and take care of this and make sure that that doesn't happen and people don't track you down and whatever <laughs> and say, well, weren't you that reporter who, you know, no, you're out there. Your hand's on the plow. And so that's why every time I hear that again, I just smile in the pew and remember the conviction of the day I heard it early in my conversion. My hand is on the plow, and there's yeah. no looking back and saying, wait, 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 this is getting kind of hard. This is getting real hard, and it's the bumpy road now, and it's starting to get, you know, a hot seat. Uh, and uh, I'm not so sure I really want to do this and be out there as much as I am. You can't do that anymore. When your hand is on the plow, you can only go forward. You know, this this scripture is in a context, of course, in Luke. And any of the audience looking at the Bible in front of them, if you bump up a few verses back to, um, way back to, uh, let's see here. I want to make sure I got here because I all of a sudden I lost my, my oh, okay, back up to 57. I mean, it's a bigger context, but I want you to hear this. As they were going along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Okay. Sheila, I will follow you, we're saying to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. You were a Catholic and you went numb it didn't mean much to you right right brought up catholic the conveyor belt all the hoops baptized catechized confirmed right right absolutely i went through catholic school all the way through high school every one of those sacraments sacramentals devotions masses every time you came forward to receive christ in the eucharist every one of those is essentially a way of saying, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. Now, first of all, did you recognize that when you were brought up, that that's what you were really saying to him? And second of all, what happened? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, again, talk about the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> Having to answer that. Uh, what? Yeah, I did. I mean, I know I can't honestly say I, as, a, as a young girl and a teenager right. going through all of that. Uh, on the one hand, I, I didn't mentally make that connection. I am following the path of Christ, and I will go with him wherever he, not only he goes, but commands. But, but, but on the other hand, Marcus, I was always a spiritual child and a spiritual oh, being. Okay. Even in college when I had gone off and not always made it to Mass, and I would run into the chapel and light a candle, and I can't even tell you why. I just knew I needed God. <laughs> And so things like that, you know, the seeds were there. And I, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be, you know, the May, the, the May Queen who got to crown Mary. And, you know, that was yeah. all in my DNA. Yeah. And yet what happened, to answer the second half of your question, is 
I went off in the world, like so many of my generation did, others before me and then others after me did, went off and just kind of got caught up in the world. And it's not like I made any kind of conscious decision. I just drifted and just drifted out there. And then when I was in a university that starts to teach you things like existentialism and, you know, Buddhism and Confucianism and whatever and whatever, and then you go off in the social scene, and then that's not very Christian at all. Um, and you just drift, and then you're at an age already anyway when you're looking for yourself and your future and and so forth. And I went off and lived abroad a little bit as well. Well, you're just, you're just out there, and, that, and in the times we live in yeah. and did then too, there's a lot, as you said earlier, pulling you, a mm-hmm. lot really, really pulling you and trying to grab your attention. So what happened was I just drifted further away, and that's just a yeah. you know not a... Not a huge answer and not an exciting one, but it's really a lot of people's answer. Just drifted away. And, and, and in a way, what I was pushing you on a little bit is I do believe that it's a very common experience for not just Catholics, but let's say Lutherans and Episcopalians and, and other for Catholics and then the mainline Protestant denominations, people brought up in those can get an idea that, again, this conveyor belt idea of the faith. You know, we, we get into the catechism, we get confirmed, we go through the hoops, and we go to Mass, or we say the beads, or, and it, it becomes an automatic. And maybe we don't realize that all of these things, in fact, represent a surrender to Jesus Christ, a saying to him that I am willing to go wherever you want me to go. And the reason I wonder that a lot of us didn't hear that, didn't really appreciate that, even though we may have appreciated Jesus, may even appreciated um, the, the spiritual meaning of everything, is I remember reading recently that the book about Mother Teresa, about uh, her private letters. And most have heard about those the media with this idea that she didn't she had some strong doubts about god but i remember the third chapter of that book the writer talks about when mother teresa made this commitment she said by grace i'm willing to do i commit myself for the rest of my life to do whatever god wants me to do and the author of that book was lifting that up as an amazing thing that she made this commitment and i remember reading that thinking no wait a second Sheila, that is the commitment that every Christian is called to make. The difference between Mother Teresa and you and me is that she really did it with the, with the poorest of the poor. But this idea of, from your verse, you put your hand to the plow means a total surrender to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely, Marcus. That's so well that's so well put. I remember telling you on the journey home in the, the conversion story about collapsing on my stairs after, you know, that, that really frightening yeah. hospital report where I was afraid for my very life and yeah. I had two young sons to raise. And and it wasn't that I ever would make a deal with God, but it was and we both laughed at it the, the, the but because I went on to Lord, just please let me raise my sons to adulthood with my husband and and then in the faith and then if if that can be done you have the rest of my life i turn it over to you i give you everything and and it wasn't really a deal striking bargain with god but you know marcus when you when that test came back as it, it had been a fluke everything was 100 percent perfect and i was healthy <laughs> as could be 
it was I knew it was I had I had told God I, that's it I'm yours no matter what for the rest yeah. of my life you've got my hands you've got my feet my eyes my mouth my work and then it was after some time not long after that probably because this all happened in a relatively short time period of time I was at that morning mass he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You're right. We have that call that Mother Teresa had, but in our own way, you know, it's we have to every day recommit yep. to making to keeping that vow. Sheila, we're going to take a break. When we come back, what I'd like you to consider discussing is I'm assuming there are some people out there listening that put their hand to the plow and they've long since turned away like you and me. I mean, I I went through that time in college. How do we begin coming back? How do we, how do we make the move? Is it easy? Is it hard? What are the first steps? Let's talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host. I have the privilege of being joined today by Sheila, Sheila Logminas, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network next time on Sunday Night Live with Father Benedict Groeschel. We look to our bishops as leaders of our Catholic communities. Join Father Benedict as he welcomes the Most Reverend Andreas Lowen, Auxiliary Bishop of Salzburg, Austria. That's on the next Sunday Night Live, only on EWTN. Sunday Night Live is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Follow the compelling journey of one man who became a Church of Christ minister and found himself entering the Catholic Church. Bruce Sullivan shares his conversion story in his new book titled Christ in His Fullness. In this book, he communicates a passionate love for Christ and the inexhaustible treasures of grace found in the Catholic Church. Perhaps you, too, will discover the same riches in the fullness of Christ. To order a copy of this book for yourself or a friend, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Sheila Logminas. Am I saying that right, Sheila? Yes, she, Logminas. It's not as hard as it looks with all those vowels. I was going to say, you, <laughs> you, uh, you bought a lot of extra vowels. Uh, for your, for your... I bought that with marriage to a Lithuanian. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, was my question fair at the beginning? You know, what, what can we do to help people make the first steps back? You know, it's absolutely a, a wonderful question, Marcus. And no matter what faith anybody who might be listening to us either is practicing now or has in the past, what church they attend, it really comes down to um, God in our lives. Just start with God the Father. I mean, the fact that you yeah. want God in your life again and you don't feel that God is in your life. And so, you know, do you want to follow God. Well, God made man, as we know, is Christ, the living word. And so if you want just Jesus, Jesus, I want you in my life. You know, that's the most basic, as Mother Angelica has said before, just sit there, if if it's in the front of the Blessed Sacrament or if it's in your own room, just say, well, here I am, Lord. The desire is the beginning. And then from there, there, is, there are so many ways, just, just the simplest prayer. You know what this reminded me this morning, uh, Marcus, in morning prayer? 
is the stillness. We have to make our hearts still. <laughs> it was in the, the, the second reading of morning prayer today. <laughs> Uh, the treatise on spiritual perfection by uh-huh. Diodocus of Photis, a, a bishop, <laughs> yep. who talked about maintaining great stillness of mind in the midst of the struggles out there. So, so like stillness in the peace. Yeah. Uh, wow, what is that proverb? In quietness and confidence is mm-hmm. my strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in, in uh, rest and repentance is my salvation and quietness and confidence is my strength. So start just somewhere. And, um, and then, you know, if you ask for the grace, the Holy Spirit is, to, in my life, Marcus, since I was a child, so powerful. Hmm. All we have to do is ask hmm. and then be open. That's the other task we have, is to be open to what will happen after that. Don't just ask, you know, and shut the door and say, well, nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. But be open to what the Holy Spirit will do, because the Holy Spirit is so strong. And then you want to follow Christ and say, I want to know Christ better, and you ask the Holy Spirit. I think that's, that's the beginning right there, because Marcus, the yep. Holy Spirit, is so powerful, and the Holy Spirit is moving so powerfully over the earth right now. Yeah. That, and we know that, our popes know that, they talk about that. The, the Pope Benedict has called the parishes, the small faith communities found in a parish level, the seeds of the future of the world. And, I, and that's why on such a small level, probably why Scripture says we're two or more are gathered. You know, there I am in the midst of it. Prayer, just to begin with, I desire you, Jesus. And then go ask the Holy Spirit. I just believe the Holy Spirit is that powerful and is moving that powerfully in will to anybody who opens up. Now, this, uh, this again, this wonderful passage that talks about, you know, a person kind of looking in God's direction, if you committed in God's direction, hands to the plow. And then looking back, being drawn back, I, I remember my father, a couple years before he, he died, um, he was not an active man of faith. Uh, and he was dying of emphysema, so he, he was couldn't go anywhere because he was always locked to those uh, uh, oxygen tubes. But I remember one time in an email, he was saying, you know, Mark, every time I think about turning to God in prayer, I feel uh, unworthy. In other words, I always f- look at myself in my own sinfulness, um, and therefore it, it would discourage him from going to God, like he's unworthy to pray to God. And of course, I talked to him about that, and uh, and talk about that, if you would, Sheila, because my guess is, as you said, turn to God, but a lot of people, the battle begins as soon as you think about turning to God. Yeah, which is why I loved that that writing just this morning on it's ancient writing that it is mm-hmm. by Diodocus of Photis uh, that that about the light of true knowledge because you know there's so much error out there and there's so much darkness and then that's even a dark uh, a thought that I can't turn to God because I'm not worthy. That's probably why some really good priests I know say, look at the cross. Just, just sometimes sit and look, as Fulton Sheen said, said that, look at the crucifix, look at Christ on the cross. And then you realize, just, you know, that's a contemplation right there. Just yep. sit with that and, and, and our own thoughts. And then we realize that's why he did that. That's why he, God didn't have to come on the earth in, into the world and, and, and go through the humiliation and the torture and the violence and die on the cross. 
why did he? And as, as Professor Tim Gray, Dr. Tim Gray said before once when he was on my show, he, you know, we know why he died. Why did he live? It was he came here to establish his church, to gather us all together so that we could be forever together with God and with him in heaven, with Jesus, the, the Trinity. And so we look at the cross, and that stops that I'm not worthy. Well, I, we, none of us is. Yeah. Mother Teresa didn't feel she was worthy. Right. The, 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 whole, the Pope of the Catholic Church in the world goes himself to confession, yeah. frequently, actually. Yeah. So nobody is worthy. You know, except yeah. the saints in heaven who got there by their grace alone. So um, that's, I think yeah. the crucifix itself speaks to us, because I have my, Marcus family members, I think we all have this story, mm-hmm. direct family members who are close family members who have left the, you know, the church. Mm-hmm. Some have left the faith altogether. Some just hardly even believe it, but in anything but God anymore. But if you still believe in God, then... That's that's we take it from there. You just open your still your mind, your heart, your your soul, and tell God, I am not worthy, but I want you in my life. And with that hand of the plow, I want to follow you. This is not enough for me. The world, Marcus, keeps creating desire in us: desire for goods, desire for experiences, desire for pleasures, desire for more and more and more. And it's all a lie because none of it will satisfy us. And once we're aware of that emptiness, that none, nothing is filling, then we, our heart is naturally drawn to God, mm-hmm. like it's naturally drawn to truth. And so Jesus is truth. Yeah. I, when I, I remember thinking when I received that email from my father um, that what I was hearing was not just my father's battle, yeah. but there's the battle that really is there for every one of us, every single one of us. Uh, the, The minute that you decide that you're going to walk in God's direction, even in the privacy of your mind, the battle comes in. And, right. and scripture warns about that. I, and I just got a, a phone call from uh, with a question, Ron from Washington State, and I'm going to repeat his question in a moment. And I think it's an interesting one, uh, Sheila, because both you and and me and others, uh, we've we have walked away from our faith for a time and come back. And his question is, could it be that Christ wants us to go out into the world away from the church? to have a deeper understanding of the value of the church and of him, kind of like the prodigal son. What do you think about that? Those of us that have gone astray for a while, where did that fit in the plan of God for our lives? Ah, that's such a good question on two counts. You just gave me the second count. I already had the first one in mind. The second count is very much that while we're away and then come back and see the beauty, I can't tell you the voraciousness with which back in the beginning and to this day forward forevermore for my life, I'm just soaking up church teaching Christianity, you know, the mystery of faith and so forth. So that's, that's part yeah. of it, to, to appreciate that which we might have otherwise taken for granted. Yeah. But the first part of it that came to mind is you were asking the question, is when I started this conversion, I had this great and wonderful spiritual director who said to me, I was kind of worried about 
you know, all of that time in secular media and some of the things I might have either written about or said or done or been when I was a college student and beyond, a young adult. And he just smiled and said, Sheila, listen, everybody who ever knew you in the past, okay, and whatever you yep. did, wherever you went, whatever they knew you to be or to say or to do, from now forward, you will be a witness to those people for having converted and for having your, he didn't say having your hand on the plow, but for following the path of Christ. So that's another reason why for some of us, our path is in the great mystery of our faith to be out there and wander away and drift in the world and be a part of the culture so that we come back and now people who might Google the name or see my name crop up somewhere or hear me on radio and say, is that the same Sheila? You know, <laughs> so, so forth. And now they might be kind of perplexed. Well, what happened to the one that I used to know or something like that? It gives us yeah. the chance to witness in that way, as well as to have been out there in the world in the first place, wandering as a person who's kind of connecting with the world, but not so much with religion. And now we can go back out there and understand them the way, and I think I might have since got this scripture as well. I love the scripture of St. Paul's, that he's out there being all things to all people. So when I'm with (laughs) those under the law, I'm like one under the law. When I'm with those not under the law, I become like them too. Being out there for a while sort of on, you know, in the world and not tethered to religion, or tethered, no, I don't even put it that way, grounded by the moral and uh, truth that we know come from God, without being even tethered to truth. Yeah. Now we can go out there and understand people in the culture, I think, better than if I had never drifted in the first place. Well, you that, that verse that you just quoted about being all things to all people, I've heard people use that to justify uh, you know, when in Rome, do what the Romans do kind of oh. thing, you know, and and that's not what Paul meant. But no. what Paul's meaning is this, is that you and I, Sheila, we, we both love the scriptures, the Bible. But if we're going to go out there and, and convert someone to Christ who has no convictions about the Bible, well, throwing the Bible in front of them and saying, well, it says in Luke 5, 6, whatever, is going to mean nothing to them. You know, we in their world, Paul says, apart from the law, I've got to reach them for God apart from the law. Doesn't mean being immoral. It means what is the reason, the arguments, uh, the, the 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 platform, the context that they understand that I can use that to help them see the truth. In a way, isn't that what that website that you're connected to is all about? Oh, exactly. Exactly. I was just on radio yesterday for an hour, basically we were talking about politi- a lot about politics and, and very, very much about the great abortion debate and battle of our day, yep. the greatest civil rights movement of our time, because there are no other rights if you can't ground the right to life. Yep. So we, in, in that conversation, we were talking about that very thing, about going out and meeting the, the, the person who believes in abortion, I, I won't call it pro-choice, because it's no choice. Yeah, right, right. What they're trying to do right now to the Tim Tebow Super Bowl ad proves that. <laughs> the mother had a choice, and they're still trying to squash the commercial. It's not a choice movement. And so, okay, but you don't really win the argument, we know, on, on, on a soapbox of faith, though we understand that, but people who believe, but this poor woman who in this condition, in this circumstance, the, the people who have good intentions for women, what they think is the best intention, to help women by thinking that you have to let abortion be legal, 
then engage them where they're at. And that's what I love about what Mercadernet does, what you just said about what Paul meant, and that is reason. Reason will win the argument every time. So, so take the argument back to its premise. Ask them, okay, why do you... Let's go back to the premise. I understand why you believe the way you do based on your premise. But let's talk about your premise. And that's <laughs> yeah. where we engage them and reason it through. I can't you know, tell you how often... People have done, I've done that with people saying, you know, and they, and they say, I never thought of it that way before. When you take it back to reason alone, let's start with science, let's start with medical, you know, human embryology or the medical textbooks or so forth on any issue, but we're talking about abortion at the moment. Make that argument uh, or, or, or on Dr. Martin Luther King's argument for the great civil rights and slavery. And okay, then you, then you bring it to that argument and people begin to connect the dots. And that's without having to open, you know, uh, the catechism of of, yeah. a church, of the Catholic Church or the beliefs of any church. It's bringing it down to human reason. Well, let's take another break. Uh, when we come back, Sheila, I'm going to push you even a little farther on verse 62. <laughs> because 62, I'll tell you what it did not say. It did not say no one who puts his hand to the plow and then takes his hand away and walks away in a different direction. What it says is no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a glance. Talk about that. I mean, let's talk about real guilt, false guilt. To what extent have I turned from God and are those those little temptations there all the time trying to pull into kind of magnetize, pulling my attention away from God? Let's look at that when we come back. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Sheila Logminas, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, joined today by Sheila Logminas. Sheila, the Scripture does is, is Jesus makes a very strong statement here because I, I know this isn't true of you, Sheila, but mea culpa, mea culpa, maxima mea culpa, a day doesn't go by when I don't look back a little bit. Oh, Marcus, same for me. I mean, this is a, this absolutely fits me, which is why I believe the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and soul, and certainly my conscience, when I heard that that morning so many years ago, because He knew that I would be looking back, and not only daily, yeah. but frequently throughout each day. And yeah. the look you made it, I'm so glad you put it that way. Listening to you was so inspiring, as it always is. It, it's not that He said, if you take your hand off the plow for a while, He said, look back, yeah. so that... <laughs> You know, I, I so frequently, some, some days especially, throw my hands up in the air, oh, this just, 
used to be a lot easier, you know. Uh, So that's looking back, what it used to be. Well, it's not now because it's here forward. Or, you know, it's getting really hot here, you know, on this hot seat uh, some days. And so maybe, well, that's looking back, too. That's saying, I, I don't quite, I'm not quite sure that's looking back. And so the hand is on the plow, and you can't look back at anything. As you said so importantly before the break, also can't look back with guilt. Because sometimes we can, when we convert to being a better Christian, we can find in our hearts a, a greater ability through the grace of God to forgive others far easier than we used to. And forgiveness, you know, especially when they've asked for it or whether they have or not. But one thing that we can't often do, I know this is, I'm convicting myself on this, it's a hard problem, forgiving ourselves for things we've done in the past. You know, cringing, slapping the forehead, covering your eyes, wincing. How could I have ever been so stupid? Or how could I have ever been so far away? But he says, no, you're looking back. And your hand is on the plow. You have committed yourself to Christ for good. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, I do it every day. And another part of that looking back is this idea that, boy, if I'd only made a different choice. Mm -hmm. How much, what if... You know, oh boy, if I'd have made this choice better, this point, I mean, I'm not, I'm using this example right now, not in direct reference to my own marriage. I love my wife, Marilyn. I'm blessed with this marriage and I I wouldn't want it any differently. But I remember somebody telling the joke about, you know, I never knew happiness until I got married and then it was too late. Hmm. That's a joke, right? (laughs) right? That's a joke, right? But yet how many people? look at their marriage always looking back because they're they're not willing to deal with the issues now they're not willing to offer it up now they're not willing to make the changes they need to make now to make a marriage better as opposed to being tempted to think you know that was a mistake if i'd have done it differently or they'll apply that to other issues other issues in our lives. That's one of the reasons I love one of my favorite movies of all times is It's a Wonderful Life. Mm, absolutely. The now, the now is all we've got. Yeah. I mean, uh, every day's news brings us another reminder of Haiti. I mean, every yeah. single day's news. You know, you're going about your business. You know, Marcus, uh, not that long <laughs> ago, my husband got in the car and was on his way to work. And, and uh, uh, I'm totally made a turn on a green traffic light and a man just i don't know if he was on his cell phone texting or what just blew through the red light and slammed into my husband's car and just totaled it crashed into fortunately the passenger side nobody there the airbag so forth he's fine the point being is after that he said to me gosh you never know So you get in your car, you go to work, it's ordinary. People of Haiti that day, in every day's news, about something that happens somewhere, and bam, you never know. We have now. We have this moment. Another thing that is saying around my house is that I learned the lesson by hearing a very poignant story of a woman who passed away before it was her time. Young mother of children, loving husband, and, uh, and her sister was coming to clean out some of her things and found something that she never wore and said, gosh, I never saw her wear this. And her husband said, it's because she was saving it for a special occasion. <laughs> but he said, but every day, and once, he, once she passed away, he said, but now I know that every day you're alive is a special occasion. So all we have is the now. None of the going back, but we don't have tomorrow yet. We have now. You're well, so right. Let me, uh, 
I'm going to read a, a verse from uh, Galatians, and uh, let's let's use this verse to, to close with and to have you talk about this a little bit, uh, uh, Sheila. Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To me, that verse is what we ought to pray every morning. Hmm. You're absolutely right. Gosh, Marcus, that's so powerful because it's the reminder to do that check for me frequently throughout the day, not just once a day, yeah. but that check. How am I doing on that? You know? <laughs> And that's, that's a great, I thank you for that reminder, because I do, I try to do, certainly first thing in the morning, last thing at night, do the daily prayer, try to yeah. do an examination of conscience at the end of each day. Don't always make it. But what you just reminded us, that scripture, is an excellent reminder to do a frequent check, how am I doing being conformed yeah. to Christ? How yeah. am I doing being that person out there that may be as close to Christ as the person I encounter is going to get? And Paul said um, that it is no longer I. Mm -hmm. And the I is really the most common thing that we're always turning back and looking at is who's God of my life? And we want to make it me. And my priorities or my passions and no, I've been crucified. It's Christ who lives in me. And then, as you have been saying, putting your hand to the plow means, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And I also love that you remind us it isn't just an every morning thing. It's all, it's all day long, uh, especially when we recognize that sometime in the middle of the day we've really blew it, something we've said or something we've done. Of course, I'm sure that's not true with you, Sheila. <laughs> Marcus, I've been to, a couple times this week. I got I got really upset at something and kind of, you know, was more terse than I wanted to be. And went in the other room. Of course, tried to apologize to the person. Went in the other room and just shook my hand and thought, I can't believe it. I can't be a witness to what I do on the airwaves and write in print and the the Christian values and the dignity of the human person and lose my temper. And so it's a frequent check like. That. It, but what you just said, it's not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's just a good line right there that, thank yeah. you, I'm going to keep in my mind and keep doing a mental check. Is it Christ living in me that I just witnessed to the person at the bank I just left or something like that? That is a good mental check. It, it's Christ who lives in me. Well, of course, the church has always wanted us to remember that. That's why the church for 2,000 years has put the crucifix right in front of us. Mm. to remind us that I've been crucified with Christ. And, of course, you know, that's our reminder. Uh, and it, that's why when I see Catholic institutions wanting to get rid of the crucifix, oh. you know, they're missing the point of uh, our need to, uh, in essence, re-crucify ourselves every day and put our hand back on the plow in the sense in which we've taken it away. Amen. Sheila, thank you so much. Oh, it's such the uh, the pleasure is mine, Marcus. All mine. Well, we'll do it again. All right. Have thank you, you back. You have so inspired me, Marcus, and I know you have all of your regular uh, listeners. But thank you so much for that scripture. Well, thank you, Sheila. And again, audience, it's SheilaReports.com if you want to be connected with her blog, and and that'll connect you also to the other things that she is doing 
and we do ask our blessing on everything that she does uh, for the Lord. All of you listening, I do pray that this was an encouragement to you. Sheila and I, we're not preaching at you. We're all in this together. We need God's grace, and let's keep each other in prayer so we can draw closer to Him. God bless you. See you next week.